This is Ken Kupchik, author of The Sales Survival Handbook, Cold Calls, Commissions, and Caffeine Addiction, The Real Truth About Life and Sales. And you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, which is named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's actually working in modern marketing and sales. And don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com, which is also where you can sign up for the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. And marketingbookpodcast.com is also where you can send me a message with any comments, suggestions, or recommendations for the show. I love hearing from listeners like you from around the world. I'm also on Twitter. My Twitter handle is marketingbook or connect with me on LinkedIn. My name again is Douglas Burdett. I respond to every single message I get from listeners. So please introduce yourself. Now, let's talk about you. Yes, you. Whether you realize it or not, by listening to the Marketing Book Podcast, it says something about you. It says you're probably a lifelong learner, always searching for new ideas in order to be more successful. So I'd like to tell you about another podcast that you might really enjoy. The B2B Growth Show is a daily podcast dedicated to helping business-to-business marketers achieve explosive growth. It's hosted by my friends James Carberry and Johnny Green and includes interviews with marketing practitioners, experts, and over 25 authors who have also been on the Marketing Book Podcast. And while it's a daily show, each episode of the B2B Growth Show is only 12 to 15 minutes, except, of course, for when I was a guest on the show and couldn't stop talking about all the great books that have been featured on the Marketing Book Podcast. So just hop onto your podcast player and search for B2B Growth Show. And you can follow the B2B Growth Show on Twitter at B2B Growth Show. So if you're a business-to-business executive and you like the Marketing Book Podcast and you're not already a listener to the B2B Growth Show, give it a listen. Now on to today's interview. Today, we welcome Ken Kupchik to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about his new book, The Sales Survival Handbook, Cold Calls, Commissions, and Caffeine Addiction, The Real Truth About Life in Sales. Ken Kupchik is a writer, consultant, and the creator of Sales Humor, one of the most popular social media accounts in the business world. His articles, videos, and memes combine sales with entertainment and reach millions of salespeople across the web every week, including your humble host. Prior to writing the Sales Survival Handbook, Ken worked in sales and marketing, wrote for numerous publications, and launched and sold a satire site. Ken, congratulations on the Sales Survival Handbook, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you so much, Douglas, and thanks for having me on. This is actually my first podcast appearance ever, so I'm really excited about it. Wow. Well, I'll, I'll try and be gentle. I appreciate the <laughs> opportunity. And um, when I learned about your book, I can't remember how I first learned about it, and then I found out who the publisher was. And w- let me just tell you, you had the foreword by Jeb Blunt. So as Jerry Maguire might say, you had me at Jeb Blunt. Of course, Jerry Maguire would never say that, but I mean, Jeb Blunt, I've had him on the show twice. I absolutely love his books. Been to his Outbound Conference, which I recommend to everybody. 
And I, I'm just amazed that you were able to keep him to three pages because normally, you know, once he starts writing, he writes a lot and he talks a lot. But also, Mark Hunter, who is a sales superstar, author, a listener to this show. Hello, Mr. Hunter. And he's most recently the author of High Profit Prospecting. He said the sales survival guide is, quote, the funniest sales book ever written, end quote. And I should add that Mark Hunter, he knows funny. He is. He's actually a really funny guy. I uh, Messaging back and forth with him, I got that impression. So, Yeah, and if you ever get a chance to see him speak, holy cow, he brings down the house. I, I got invited to the Outbound Conference, the first ever one in Atlanta, which is by four authors that I, I'm so honored to have interviewed, Anthony Annarino, Jeb Blunt, Mike Weinberg, and Mark Hunter. And they also had Laura Madison there. Do you know she's a car uh, salesperson expert? Okay, I know who she is. A ton of car salespeople follow sales humor, so I'm uh, somewhat active in that community as well, despite never having sold a car in my life. Okay, well, she sold lots of them, and it was very interesting to hear how she did a great job in automobile sales up in, say, Montana, and she started using social media and all these different kinds of things. And I'm telling you, folks, that stuff works. But at any rate, let me start with a brief excerpt, and then we can get into this book. And I, I should add that it is a very funny book, but, and I'm on to you, Ken Kupchak, you've written a very funny <laughs> book, but you've snuck in a fantastic sales book. In other words, this could be the first book somebody reads about sales. They'll laugh, they'll cry, and they'll learn about sales. So here we go. Sales is the world's second oldest profession after prostitution. And although there are many similarities between the two careers, only one is legal. There are millions of salespeople around the world, nearly 14 million, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, whose employees have probably never sold a single thing in their entire lives. That figure of 14 million also happens to coincide with the number of Americans who are currently taking some sort of prescription medication, which can't just be a coincidence. Sales is stressful, demanding, frustrating, and also incredibly fun and rewarding. There's no other profession with as many ups and downs where you can go from crying in the bathroom one minute to popping a bottle of champagne the next and then back to crying in your car all in the same day. This book is for anyone who is brave enough to wake up in the morning, drink an unnatural amount of caffeine, and live the life of a salesperson. It's rarely easy, but oftentimes it's worth it. Ken Kupchuk, why did you write this book? So, and I'm sure you've heard this before, when, they, when authors talk about writing, they say that you should write the book that you would want to read, and that's kind of what I did. I you know, I knew there wasn't any funny sales books out there. I thought, hey, I'm the perfect person to write it. So so I went ahead and did it. And in a lot of ways, it's the anti-sales book because it's the overwhelming majority of the sales books out there are, you know, tactical or they're meant to motivate you. But this book was kind of the unvarnished truth, you know, told in a cynical, entertaining way. So I I wanted it to be different, and I wanted it to be funny. I think you've achieved both, good sir. And I think that, you know, for marketers, a lot of marketers listen to this podcast. You know, it, it seems like the kind of thing where they would read it and have a good laugh. And it might actually give them some insights into those mysterious salespeople that they're trying so hard to get along with and, and understand. You know how a lot of times... 
you've been in marketing and sales. A lot of times the marketing people will look at sales as a bunch of cowboys who, you know, maybe they're lazy and they, you know, make the quick sale. And then the salespeople will look back at the marketing people as a bunch of arts and crafts party planners who are kind of irrelevant. And, you know, that's because they don't really understand what each other does. And then neither side has really caught up with the way consumers consumers want to buy. So I would think that, you know, as I've said before, if, if you're a marketer and you've never been on a sales call, you need to start doing that. Go build a bridge to your to your sales team, bring a copy of this book along and say, hey, hey, I read this. I think you guys might get a kick out of it. And they might think, oh, well, that's one marketing person who, uh, man, maybe she's okay, you know. <laughs> but l- let's talk about the, the field of sales. Ken, how do you know Let's say you're thinking about going into sales. How do you know if sales is right for someone? In other words, how does someone know they're cut out for sales? Well, I think if you are predisposed to caffeine addiction, predisposed to working so many hours that you don't get to see your family very often or as or as little as you would prefer to not see them, uh, and you're a bit of a sadomasochist, I think you should probably go into sales. Uh, You also need to be really motivated by money because if if you aren't somebody who's naturally competitive and driven by a financial reward, you're really not going to find sales uh, to be intrinsically rewarding or at least a the overwhelming majority of people won't. And just to back up, I do encourage anybody listening to buy a copy of my book for one copy for each person on your marketing team and on your sales team to build better relationships with them. It's it's the the best way to get people to like you in your office. Yes. One of the best ways. Yes, uh, and this isn't some pyramid scheme that the author and I have worked out beforehand. <laughs> Seriously, this would be a great thing to give to sales folks, but also to the to the marketing people. So let's talk a little bit more about that. You know, let's say somebody, let's say, you know, a marketer wants to understand more about what salespeople do or somebody wants to go into sales. Can you give us a better understanding of, of what, you know, the day-to-day life is like for a salesperson? If you could walk us through some of the good, the bad, and the crazy of being a salesperson. Sure. So the day-to-day life of a salesperson, it involves lots of ups and downs. That's probably the the biggest point that that I'd like to make about working in sales. So your highs are very high and your lows are very low. It's similar to entrepreneurship. Uh, you know, you can get you can be miserable and plugging along and nothing's working and you're getting rejected and nobody's calling you back. And then you get that one deal that just makes you feel like you're on top of the world and opens up the floodgates and the deals just start pouring in. And then somebody cancels and you're back down in the dumps. And, you know, a a very successful salesperson I worked with some years ago said, that the key was to stay level-headed. So don't let your highs make you too high and don't let your lows get you down too too much. You know, but people like me, you know, it's it's we have a hard time not embracing, you know, when things are going well. Uh, and I think most salespeople do tend to ride the highs and the lows. So a lot of highs, lots of lows, lots of rejection. You know, you really you really have to be tenacious because unlike, unlike a lot of, uh, 
industries, you know, with marketing, you can plan a campaign, you can, you know, execute the campaign, test, you know, iterate, you know, there is accountability, but not as the accountability is never as direct as it is in sales, where month to month, if you don't hit your numbers, you're, you know, not going to be able to pay your bills or eventually going to lose your job. And, and, you know, I don't think the same level of accountability is there with most marketing jobs. It's not. And you hear about the guys in sales who are struggling to get those sales in before the end of the month or the end of the quarter, and they're working hard. And the marketing people are off partying because they've already hit their goals, which might have been, I think, you know, very misplaced goals. Like, how many emails did we send out? How much activity did we do? How many likes did we get? How many you know, how many leads do we generate? Maybe not looking at were the leads sales qualified or not, you know, whereas it's very clear with the sales folks, it's money. And that's why, you know, some of the other books we've had on the show, they talk about you've got to the, 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 the companies that are doing really well at aligning sales and marketing. They are basically, you know, more or less putting sales and marketing in, in one room, so to speak. And it's the revenue room. And they say, you know, you, you're just going to have to figure out, you're going to have to work together and figure out how to get to these revenue points. And there are uh, some marketers who are very much like being judged on that. And then there are some others, maybe some who've had a lot of traditional marketing in their background that aren't used to being held to such, such sales kind of standard. But that's the future. So, Ken, just to change the subject here, I've been married for 25 years, but I haven't yet told my wife that I work in marketing. It just hasn't been a good time to tell her yet. And let's say you're a salesperson in a similar situation. How should someone go about coming out as a salesperson to, to friends and family? What, what are the things they should be thinking about? The key is to accept that you're a salesperson yourself. And in my book, I talk about the five stages of sales grief, uh, which are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and finally acceptance. So first, before you come out to anybody else as a salesperson, you need to to accept it yourself. But if you're going to come out, you really want to come out at the right time. You don't want to, you know, just throw it out there like, hey, you know, mom, dad, I decided to to work in sales because you never know your your parents might disown you. Your roommates might ask you to move out mm -hmm. politely. And, and, you know, who knows, depending on on people's preconceived notions about salespeople, you could end up in a physical altercation. Accept it yourself. Uh, and when you're coming out, just plan ahead, practice what you're going to say, you know, and then cut right to the chase, get it out there and then pivot immediately to trying to sell something to the person you're talking to. There you go. I like it. <laughs> Always be closing. Right. That's right. That's right. So now you say, you, you talk about sales managers and I know less about sales managers than I probably do about the life of a salesperson, but you say that some people will argue that sales managers go into management because they don't know how to sell. But the truth is that sales managers go into management because they know how to yell. And you go on to say that managers come and go. And if yours is making life difficult, you can always plant drugs in her car and call the police. <laughs> what should people know about sales managers? Okay, so I have to be very honest and transparent here. I might have had some sales managers that have so scarred me for life that 
I can't approach the topic from an objective uh, point of view. Well, Ken, let's, uh, let's let the healing begin right now on the Marketing <laughs> Book Podcast. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I, I'm a minute or two away from breaking out in tears. But I would say that sales managers, they really span the gamut of great leaders you know, to people that who are there because they through happenstance or a series of life events ended up working in sales management to people that are actual clinical psychopaths. And I've worked for the former and I've worked for the latter. And uh, it's uh, if your manager is a psychopath, usually what will happen is you will make a ton of money because they will push you to close deals and work harder beyond what you even think is is possible for you. But you're also going to probably have your self-worth and your stress levels will be so high that you know you're going to spend all the money that you make on therapy for the next few years after after you've made your fortune. Right, right. I I completely understand. <laughs> As, you know, as the youngest of four children and, an, and a veteran of the United States Army, I, I've been yelled at so much that I assume that that's how I know people like me. <laughs> but not everyone was has coping skills like that just naturally baked in. So in your chapter on prospecting, which is very, very important, and you know, we've also had, uh, like I said, Mark Hunter, who wrote High Profit Prospecting. We've had Jeb Blunt, author of Fanatical Prospecting, whole books about prospecting. But you talk about leads, and can you explain to me why most of them suck? Well, it's because of marketing. All right, let's go, baby. So uh, I guess it depends on the industry, but uh, I think most leads are not so good just because it's it's very hard to – unless you're in a very niche industry, it's very difficult to get lists of of interested buyers and this is you know this is me speaking as a marketer it's true yeah to get a list of very interested buyers and to do that on a regular and consistent basis you know every single day and you know with with the way business works as you know there are lots and lots of companies that make money through uh, you know through compiling you know tons of data or you know these clickbait ads that get people to fill in their information that they don't even know what they're getting they think they might be getting an entry into some sort of vacation and then it's passed on to salespeople as a lead and you know hardcore sales gurus will say well hey you can close anybody anytime anywhere sure uh, you know you can debate that point but if if i filled out an application thinking that i'm going to go on a cruise and I am in no way interested in buying, let's say, uh, insurance because, you know, I don't need insurance, you know, boat insurance because uh, I don't own a boat. But the lead gets passed on to a boat insurance provider. I mean, it doesn't matter how good of a, of a salesperson you are. You're not going to sell that person insurance. So, you know, the majority of leads are not that great because, you know, maybe it's not necessarily marketing's fault maybe it's more of the fault of you know companies looking to capitalize on salespeople's desperation for leads 
Yeah, and it brings to mind Jack Lemon and uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, where he says, the leads are weak. <laughs> and, you know, that scene where Alec Baldwin is tearing into all the other salesmen, which is one of my favorite scenes, that and the first 10 minutes of Full Metal Jacket with Arlie yes. Ernie screaming at the Marine Corps recruits, because I'm probably a bit twisted, perhaps like you are, Ken, I cannot stop laughing. <laughs> He's screaming at those salespeople, and it's, it's, it's tough, but it's sort of like, wow, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty good. But I, I think uh, there's a larger point here, and that is that you know anybody can generate leads. You, know, you can go out and tell people they're going to win a car, and you can generate a lead, but it's not going to be any good. So I think that one of the other things that I would like to encourage the listeners to, to learn about is trying to generate as many of your leads as possible on your own, perhaps by using content or using advertising to direct them to content that's particularly relevant to uh, a specific type of buyer. And then if you're, as you're able to generate enough of these, you can do some lead scoring so that really only the, the better qualified leads will get over to the salespeople, the rest of them, marketing can either throw out or, 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 or continue to nurture a bit. And you know that involves having a, a service level agreement and all those types of things. But I think that a lot of these companies, when you talk about in the book, is uh, you know, how, how, how salesmen can generate their own leads. And you're talking about in that earlier part about they're just buying leads or they're just buying lists of names, which... You know, I don't even know if they filled something out, but it's just they start going through and they start thinking this is this is not even worth my time to keep following up on all these really worthless leads. Now, there is another area that you talk about that's one of the most underappreciated ways for salespeople to generate their own leads. Can you talk about asking for referrals? Sure. So referrals are actually incredible because your chance of closing a deal uh, is exponentially higher. If, you, if it's from a referral versus from any other method of lead generation. And the overwhelming majority of people don't ask for referrals because, believe it or not, you know, even, even people who have chosen to work in sales, work with the general public, a lot of people are just too shy to ask or they don't even think of it. So, you know, the Sales Survival Handbook is a funny book with actionable advice and I would encourage any salesperson listening and uh, any marketer listening to strongly consider a referral program, uh, whether it's offering offering existing clients uh, some sort of reward, financial reward, or otherwise for referrals, or you know, asking if you're closing a deal, asking people to refer you know five names or ten names in exchange for something uh, I would very very strongly consider it because so many people are overlooking it uh, you know it's this amazing way to build automatic trust and in the book I, I talk about how it's like going on a blind date with somebody you know if you meet somebody off the street you know uh, if, if you're dating and you meet a woman on the street you know going on a date is is going to be a lot different than it would be if, if one of her friends introduced both of you because that person's vouching for you. So uh, a customer that vouches for you to their friends and family is, is going to go really far. So ask for referrals. Mm -hmm. It's great. You never know. Just try it a few times and you'll start to see what happens. You know, there's there's uh, salespeople that just keep it on a checklist. Just go ahead and ask. And there's some good times and bad times to want to ask. Can you talk about when some of the better times are to try to ask for the referral? 
Sure. Yeah. So you want to ask for referral when a person is happy with where things have gone. Uh, so if, if, you know, unfortunately you had a bad experience with a prospect, you probably don't want to ask them for a referral, you know, a bad time to ask somebody is, you know, one in the morning on, uh, on, on a Tuesday, a good time to ask will be, you know, after they've completed payment, you don't want to ask people for too much. So, you know, be cognizant of staying within, uh, you know, the acceptable bounds of what's, what's polite. And yeah, just ask, just ask. So let's talk about cold calling because that's the one thing that just seems to get people, you know, fired up. People dread it. And there are lots of sales gurus who say, oh, or marketing gurus who say, oh, you don't need to do cold calling anymore. You know, it's magically all these people are going to start wiring you money. It's just, it's it's great. So uh, as it relates to that, you say that it takes a thick skin to keep your cool when someone says, don't ever call here again, you bridge troll, which, which kind of resonated with me because my, my wife actually said that to me once when I called her at work. But what are some of the ways that salespeople can make cold calling perhaps more effective? You know, first you want to get yourself in the right frame of mind to cold call. So you don't really want to, you know, if you're in a really bad mood, it's it's probably not the best time to get on the phone and try to convince somebody to buy something. So you want to put yourself in a good mood before you sit down and make calls. You know, think of your favorite joke. Look at pictures of when you were having a good time. You can imagine something that will make you really happy, like not having to cold call. All right. Uh, so you want to rehearse your introduction and your sales pitch beforehand. Definitely don't try to improvise your way through the, through a call the same way I'm trying to improvise my way through this podcast. You're doing fine. Uh, identify who you're trying to reach and what you're going to say when you get her on the phone in the one or two seconds before she violently hangs up on you. This one is really important, and, and I, I think uh, lots of salespeople overlook it. You really want to practice what if scenarios with your coworkers. You know, what if scenarios are a way to plan ahead for what you'll say if you encounter a specific objection. So, you know, what if a customer says, a prospect, excuse me, says that they already have another provider? You know, what are you going to say in that instance? What if the customer says the price is too high? You know, what if the customer accuses you of robbing the gas station by their house in 2008? Yeah, how did they find you, out about that? Well, you want to have an answer ready in any of these instances. That's right. And the, the last thing you can do is, it's kind of dreadful, but you want to listen to recordings of previous calls you've made. You know, sit down with your teammates uh, and your sales managers so they can make fun of you until you're absolutely humiliated, but also... You'll get some actionable advice on what you did right and what you did wrong, most right. likely. That's good. Now, there's one section I you, you talked about selling to the general public, and I think this probably applies to you know business to business sales as well. And it's something that I thought you know you probably never want to talk about, but in, in sales, but you, you mentioned that it can sometimes feel like competing on a quiz show against an orange road cone. So, can you explain what you mean when you say that the customer is always right? but the customer is not always bright. Well, I mean, if, if any one of your listeners has ever worked in retail or the restaurant business or sales, yeah, I was you know, a waiter. what did you think? 
I think you were right, but I could never, <laughs> I could never, you know, let on what morons they were because, well, I may have tried it once and saw that it really did nothing for uh, the situation. So, right, it, it's tough because you know I think, I think in addition to you know Mark Twain said right uh, that you know think of uh, how smart the average person you know is and then realize that half of Every, half of people are dumber than that. Right. So I think that's, you know, maybe not the nicest way to go about it, but it's, you know, it's kind of true. Let's be honest with ourselves. But I think the challenge for salespeople is, in regards to this discussion, uh, is people's preconceived notions of salespeople. So the automatic uh, inherent distrust of, of those who work in sales that most of the general public holds. Uh, and also there, you know, that leads to, uh, you know, not believing what a salesperson says or, you know, thinking that they understand the product uh, or the service that, that is being sold better than the salesperson themselves because they did, you know, some cursory research uh, on Google. Uh, so, you know, those are challenges to get over, you know, and then there's always, you know, especially men like to think of ourselves as great negotiators uh, when in reality, you know, few people really are. So that causes, you know, that ca can cause a lot of, uh, a lot of headaches for salespeople when, when, you know, when somebody's trying to get a better deal. Yeah. You know, it reminds me, I, I spoke to a physician years ago. I, at one point I was in an agency and we had a, a healthcare account and he was saying that things had really changed. This might have been, gosh, maybe 20 years ago. But he said, you know, suddenly all these patients were showing up with things they'd printed out from the Internet, asking all these questions. And it wasn't so much a problem for him, but he had just never been so accustomed to having to kind of downshift and explain why those things weren't exactly what they need. So, <laughs> whereas in the past, he could, he could say like, "Here's what, you, here, here's your product, take it." You know, here's here's your prescription. Whereas uh, now, I, I can imagine for salespeople, there are a lot of information out there, and there's a lot of bad information. So the smart ones are there, challenging people all with what they know, and maybe helping them to realize that they had problems that they didn't realize they had, or that their information might be wrong. I want to talk about uh, one particular piece of solid gold that's in your book. And it's the chapter on customers where you say, if there's one thing you should take away from this section, it's that customers just want you to listen and help. Your goal is to be quiet and listen long enough to find out how you can be of service to the customer, even if that means you have to duct tape your mouth shut. <laughs> can that's you right. Can you explain why listening is the most important sales skill and why it's so damn hard for some salespeople to keep their mouth shut. Absolutely. And, you know, let me give you some context. I, I used to work with a guy who was my sales manager and he was, uh, you know, he was a former, former uh, Marine, you know, special forces guy. And he was, you know, there was nothing extraordinary about him. If you met him, you know, you wouldn't really just normal guy, right? Although he could kill you with his oh, well, hands. He, right. Besides the fact that he could, yeah, kill you with, with one arm tied behind his back. But, you know, he is, it wasn't like a celebrity walked in the room when he walked in the room. But this guy would make so much money in sales. He was, you know, the best salesperson or the most successful salesperson I've ever seen. And, you know, he left sales. He went into real estate, 
within a few years, he was making over a million dollars a year in real estate and just didn't know how, how he, how he did it. And I asked him one time, I said, okay, so what, you know, what's your trick? How do you, how are you always so successful everywhere you go, no matter where he worked? And he said, he said the advice that, that you just read in the book, he said, because you have to listen to people. And if you've listened to them long enough, they'll tell you exactly what you need to close them. And the second part of your question, why is it so hard? Uh, I think, you know, people inherently love, would rather talk than listen. And, you know, I think our fast paced smartphone, social media, uh, lifestyles these days have just accelerated that. So it, it's actually somewhat unnatural to sit there and, and listen to people, but you to truly listen and understand. I mean, you know, I could sit there and, and with my mouth shut and just let somebody speak for a half hour, but you really have to understand what the motivation is behind what they're saying. Uh, so not only do you listen, you have to actively listen to people, you know, so, so that they understand that you're listening to them. But then you also have to pick out what's important and what they're saying. What are the true motivations? And then how do you use those motivations to to close the deal? And, and that's very, very hard to do. You know, very few salespeople, I should say a small percentage of salespeople can effectively do that day in day out and usually those are the guys that that are guys or gals that rise to the top yeah in another part of the book you talk about the different types of salespeople, including the maniac the grizzled old dog and the big talker but of course the one that really spoke to me on a personal level is what you called silent but deadly and i think that's what you were describing with that former colleague of yours right was he right. silent but deadly he was he was a silent but deadly and he he had a great work ethic too. So, you know, it's, it's being a good listener is not enough. You got to have a great work ethic, but yeah, you're a hundred percent right. That's, that's who he was. Yeah. You know, years ago I started going to sales training and after a certain point, you don't even have to keep paying. They just keep going back. It's a, it was a Sandler. I go to Sandler training. No, I've taken that. Yeah, yeah, I still go to it. I like it very much. But I wanted to ask one other question about the book. Which, what is the difference and how can people know the difference between a good sales trainer and a con man and, and how can you spot the difference? Because it seems like there's a lot of charlatans and in the marketing world, they're called gurus out there. Oh, man, don't don't even get me started because that's going to be another hour long discussion. Uh, you know, can I ask you a question, actually? Oh, sure. How do you decide whether somebody is going to come on your podcast and whether they're the real deal or whether they're a marketing charlatan? Well, I and I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but I'm genuinely curious. Well, I look to see if it's a sales or marketing topic that interests me and I think would interest the listener. And then I also look to see if they have, if they've gone through a publisher. And the reason why is because with a publisher, as I'm sure you can attest, they have to go through a rigorous editorial process. And while I've had a few self published books on the podcast, I found that the ones that have been through editorial hell are better. <laughs> so now I think what you what you may be wondering about is uh, like in the marketing world, how do you know if you should hire a marketing person or a marketing agency? And well, look at how they're marketing themselves. And that's where like Guy Kawasaki will say, you know, you wouldn't hire a morbidly obese personal trainer. <laughs> You've got to find somebody. And I think you talk about this in the book. Find somebody who can prove that they actually had some sales success. It's got to be one of them. Right. right? Absolutely. And, and if, if, if you don't mind, I can go through the differences with a professional and a phony sales trainer. Let's focus on the phonies. Okay. 
So, <laughs> so a professional is going to have a public track record of success in his or her industry. A phony is going to have a public record of criminal convictions for fraud and identity theft. Oh, and that's what you don't want. Okay. <laughs> that's what you don't want. So professionals worked with Fortune 500 companies, and a phony has worked as a fortune teller with a traveling circus. A professional, and this is going back to what you just said, has written and published an educational sales book with a major publisher, and a phony has written and published numerous misspelled blog posts on social media. And a professional has wisdom that's been developed over a decades-long career in sales and management. And a phony became a sales trainer the week after graduating from high school. So if, if they still have a lot of pimples and, you know, the guy looks like he's, uh, you know, he's going to pick up his diploma in, in a week or two, you might want to move on. Right. right. I think those, some of those things apply not just to, to sales folks, but also marketing people and any kind of consultant. So, Ken, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? I would hope that it would be to not take yourself too seriously. You know, sales is, it's really stressful. You know, don't, don't let it overwhelm your life. Don't, don't let it get you down too jaded and, you know, laugh at yourself because, you know, it's so tough sometimes that if you, if you take it too seriously, you're probably just going to let it consume you. And, you know, there are so many people go into sales and, and they, you know, within some within a matter of days, some within a matter of weeks, some within a matter of years, or just chewed up and spit out and, you know, just traumatized by the whole experience. I mean, I, I know, you know, I've worked with people who came in for their first, you know, to start a new sales job, they would leave for lunch and just never come back. <laughs> right. And I mean, those stories are always hilarious, but, you know, don't take yourself too seriously. It's a great way to make a lot of money, you know, especially if you don't have an advanced degree, you know, it's, it's the best option for a lot of people. And, and, you know, I truly believe in Grant Cardone is a big sales trader guy and he says this and, and I agree with him that, you know, it, it's a great way to, to raise yourself out of a bad financial situation for a lot of people. So, you know, if, if you really want to improve you and your family's life, and I'm getting all serious here, but if you, it's, it's true. If you want to improve your family's life, uh, you know, financially, and you have, you know, some, some competency with communicating, uh, with people, you know, I think these days you either learn how to code or you go into sales and you can make a lot of money. Well said, well said. What books have inspired your work and career? As far as inspirations for the sales survival handbook, I was actually inspired by a non-sales book. Uh, it was called The Zombie Survival Guide, and it was written by Mel Brooks, you know, the famous, uh, uh, famous comic writer's son, Max Brooks. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he, he wrote World War Z before that, which is a major motion picture. So, you know, I always loved the, you know, the, the survival book concept. And there's obviously more serious ones out there. The, you know, the anarchist cookbook is, you know, very controversial book, but I always loved the whole, you know, this is the definitive guide for this. And, uh, you know, I, I, wanted to do a funny book too. And I thought, hey, this is the best way to go about it. Right. There's another one that a friend of mine sent me about 100 Deadly Things 
what was it? It was written by a former SEAL. And I've it, seen that one, yeah. Yeah, gosh, I'm sorry. I can't remember the name, but it's it's got like what kind of pen you should be carrying in your <laughs> suit because they're better for stabbing people. It was just, right. It's over the top. And actually, a former client of mine who was also a, a retired Army first sergeant, he got a hold of the book, and he took it very seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so that was great. You know, you're you're a published author now. Are there any recent or upcoming books that you recommend or looking forward to reading? So I really like Charles. I think it's Duhigg. I don't oh, know how yeah. to pronounce uh-huh. his last name. Uh, so I'm on I'm on a second book by him. The first one I read was The Power of Habit, which was fantastic. Reading, I think it's faster, stronger, better. He's great because he gives you the you know these these the scientific advice for uh, improving your uh, your life uh, you, you know your professional life but he tells these great stories uh, and you know in the book I'm reading now the stronger faster better you know he tells the story of two different flights which is really compelling uh, and one flight crashed it was a, a Air France flight uh, and he goes through the play by play of what the pilots did wrong and how they. You know, they found themselves in something called a cognitive tunnel versus an Australian flight that, you know, this this hotshot Australian pilot pretty much, you know, landed this plane that was a miracle that they even landed because it was so damaged uh, and, and just compared, you know, the mistakes they made and how you can apply it to your life. So highly recommend that. Also recommend for salespeople, Grit by Angela Duckworth. Oh, yes. And that's a fantastic book. So I'm kind of into the really the you know, pop science. Uh, I think that's prob- probably the category of books at the moment. That's terrific. So how best can listeners learn more about you and your book? Sure. So you can go on salessurvivalbook.com uh, to learn more about the book. And, you know, if you want a daily entertainment in sales, follow Sales Humor, which is on Facebook on Sales Humor. We're on Instagram as sales underscore humor and on LinkedIn as salesperson humor. Uh, And, you know, it's daily articles, memes, videos, just really funny, lighthearted stuff. But, you know, if you take yourself very seriously, you know, you should follow it and, and see if you can lighten up a little bit. Or deselect. I'll, I'll tell you, <laughs> this may maybe a lot, you hear this a lot, but I, I was following sales humor before I knew who Ken Kupchik was. Awesome. <laughs> so, I appreciate that. And I enjoy it because it, I, I'm able to laugh to keep from crying. <laughs> right. That's, that's all we can hope for. Yeah. One last excerpt from the book. Salespeople will exist until a giant meteor smashes into earth and destroys human civilization forever. As long as people have things to sell, the world can't function without us, no matter how many people wish it could. Like they say, nothing happens until someone sells something. The millions of people around the world who work in sales are often forgotten. Unlike doctors, firefighters, or lawyers, you rarely hear much about salespeople, despite the fact that they make up one of the largest segments of the workforce. Most people treat sales like your uncle's drinking problem. They just ignore it. This book was written to entertain those who've been in sales for a while, to educate those who are new to it or are considering making it their career, and to remind salespeople everywhere that they're not alone. Even at your darkest moments, when the last prospect you need to close in order to hit your quota won't answer the phone, you're not alone. The name of the book is The Sales Survival Handbook, Cold Calls, Commissions, and Caffeine Addiction. The Real Truth About Life in Sales. The author is Ken Kupchik. Ken, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. 
Douglas, thank you so much for having me. This was great. And that closes the book on episode 140 of the Marketing Book Podcast. Links to everything linkable in the interview you just listened to are at marketingbookpodcast.com. And that's also where you can sign up for the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. And if you have any feedback on the show or if I can make a book recommendation, I'd love to hear from you. Just go to marketingbookpodcast.com and leave me a message or tweet at me. My Twitter handle is marketingbook or connect with me on LinkedIn. My name again is Douglas Burdett. Also, as I mentioned at the top of the show, check out the daily B2B growth show. It's a great companion podcast to this one. And please join us next time as we welcome Philip Kotler, the father of modern marketing, back to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about his autobiography, My Adventures in Marketing. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Podcast.